Hi there, and welcome to episode 59 of the T21 Mum podcast. My name is Mary, and I'll be your host. Each episode, we'll talk about life, Down syndrome, single parenting, mamahood, and pretty much everything in between. I have a daughter named Ainsley, and she's eight years old and rocking an extra chromosome, also known as Down syndrome. And I am living life my way. And once again, like always, my good friend and co-host Ron is joining me here today. Hi, Ron. Hey, Mary. Haven't uh, melted in the summer heat yet, but uh, I think I'm getting close. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, today we have a, a bit of a different show in that we have three guests at the same time, which is something mm -hmm. we haven't done before. No, we haven't. I was very nervous. So. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about with, with three uh, women about breastfeeding joys and difficulties. Yes. Yes. So who and, are they and, and what are they going to talk about? We have Ella Cullen, who is the founder of Julia's Way. It's a nonprofit organization. And we also have Jill, who is a speech language pathologist and uh, also a lactation consultant. And Rachel, who also has a child with Down syndrome, along with Ella, who also has a child with Down syndrome. And they all met up and connected and they've formed this amazing organization called Julia's Way that helps mamas breastfeed their child with Down syndrome and they take them on that journey and teach them the way that they can best do that and it's amazing. Okay let's go talk to them. Okay today on the T21 Mum podcast we are talking all about breastfeeding babies with Down syndrome. And joining me today are Ella Gray Cullen, founder of Julia's Way and author of Breastfeeding and Down Syndrome, Rachel Murphy, who is a nurse, and both of them are moms to children with Down Syndrome, and also Jill Rabin, I hope I Raven. said that correctly, Rabin. Rabin, my apologies, a speech language pathologist and a lactation consultant. Welcome, ladies. Thank, Thank you. you. So Ella, you are the founder of Julia's Way and the author of the book, Breastfeeding uh, and Down Syndrome. Can you tell us a little bit about you and what led you to starting Julia's Way and the inspiration for writing your book? So I am a nurse as well as Rachel. Um, I started out as a labor and delivery nurse. I have a big passion for breastfeeding and I always knew that um, breastfeeding would be important to me uh, for any child that I had. And when I had uh, Julia Grace, I found out she was going to have Down syndrome. I started searching, of course, all of the um, available resources. And I didn't find anything that really um, was comprehensive enough, I guess I could say. And I did find some, some things that were pretty disappointing, um, sort of starting with, we know anybody who would have a child with Down syndrome is disappointed, but you can kind of go on and try to make the best of it. And, and we actually, uh, the fact that Julia Grace had Down syndrome was a big relief because we were concerned that it was uh, maybe something else that was life-threatening or that she would never have made it out of the hospital. So when we found out she had Down syndrome, we actually celebrated. Um, and so those, uh, the things that I found didn't really ring true and didn't seem supportive enough for me as a first time mom. Um, and so I uh, started looking up as much as I could and reading as much as I could and asking. At the same time, I really didn't feel like I was a breastfeeding mom because I was pumping. 
uh, when Julia arrived and um, I just, it was just, it was the most stressful time in my life. I felt like everything was riding on my ability to <laughs> breastfeed this little baby and I didn't have the support and I didn't feel like I could go to regular um, groups because I was, I was pumping. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't sure, I didn't want anybody to say it's okay for you not to breastfeed, even though I know that's a supportive thing that people say, I felt like if I had that out, I wouldn't do it. And I, I needed it. I needed mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just started, started, uh, collecting other mother stories and I had a really great and supportive, um, lactation consultant at the hospital. And also, um, my doctor was, he said, you are a breastfeeding mom. It doesn't matter if you're pumping or your baby is direct breastfeeding. He was amazing. Mm -hmm. And hearing mothers who didn't have those stories and didn't have those support really upset me and frustrated me. So I had started Julia's way. Um, and I met Jill who was amazing, still is amazing. And her passion is helping babies with Down syndrome breastfeed um, and uh, with other feeding issues as well. But that's one of her big passions. And somebody had mentioned to me, actually, Sarah Cullen, we're no relation from the Massachusetts Down syndrome Congress had sort of mentioned like, oh, maybe you should write a book. And I thought, (laughs) never in a million years. And and then I thought, well, why not? You know, and so really, I I mostly brought together a bunch of um, amazing specialists who, who wrote um, each chapter, they wrote them for free volunteering, knowing that the money was going to come back to Julia's way and um, help support these mothers um, and babies more um, in the future. And so is Julia's way, is it, it's an, its own nonprofit? Yes. Right. Okay. And yes, it is. And so what exactly is Julia's way? Like you have the breastfeeding as one part of it or what, what exactly is it? So we kind of started as, you know, wanting to reimagine life with Down syndrome and, and a larger scope, but we really become quite focused on helping um, support mothers who want to breastfeed their babies with Down syndrome. That's really has, uh, is our passion. It's really where our interest lies and it's really where we found the need. So that's, um, that is our focus. That's wonderful. Cause you know, I wasn't able to breastfeed my daughter and I did get some support and we could talk a bit more about that later, but yeah, it's basically, you just read everywhere that, you know, I think a lot of the medical professionals don't really encourage it. They basically say, you know, I hear time and again, oh, your baby won't be able to breastfeed. So, you know, and I, I read it all the time on forums with expectant moms. So that's why I was really happy to have you ladies on today so that, you know, women out there can know that they, yes, you know, you can breastfeed. And, and I've heard lots of stories where sometimes it it happens right away and others where it took a little bit of time, but the mom persevered and they were able to eventually breastfeed, which is, which is awesome. So we also have two other ladies with us today. So, um, Rachel and Jill, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your involvement with Julia's way? Jill, if you'd like to go first. Sure. Absolutely. So uh, I'm a speech pathologist and board certified lactation consultant, and I've been working with infants to three-year-olds for almost 36 years. And 
working with babies with Down syndrome has always been a passion of mine. And I often even start with moms, if they have a prenatal diagnosis of Down syndrome, I will start working with them from that point to prepare them for that breastfeeding journey, which is very helpful. Mm -hmm. So they, they know what to expect. So Ella and I were introduced via another mom who I had worked with. Mm -hmm. And she and I met for the first time when I think it was a gene was was it a DSDN conference in in here in Illinois and in she and I yeah and she and I met and then she came up with the idea that she was going to do the book and I, I contributed two chapters to that book and we just began this collaboration and I have to say what Ella did was unbelievable like it, heroic that she got this book done in a year and wow. she got great people to put this book together and what's lovely about it is people can download it for free because she wanted to make sure that it was accessible to everyone everywhere and she didn't want anyone to to go through what she did and i think a really unfortunate thing with babies with down syndrome is very often the medical community just looks at the diagnosis they don't mm -hmm. look at the baby and we know that lots of babies with down syndrome are born with medical comorbidities you know they have gastrointestinal issues or heart issues and very often parents are told no and the doctors really don't have that knowledge but that's what they tell them they discourage them mm -hmm. and what I found in working with these babies is if you could support these moms and you could protect their milk supply with pumping that these babies they might take a little bit longer to get there but sometimes you know with a little patience and time at not even sometimes most of the time at two months they transition to exclusive breastfeeding three months i've had some that have transitioned at six months and i am i currently work with a family whose mom's a physician and it was her third baby that had down syndrome and she said to me you know i really didn't think the babies with down syndrome could breastfeed i didn't know that as a physician so i think it was very it was wonderful that her daughter at six months was able to switch and be able to do this so Wow. I think what we, what our job is to educate, because I think a lot of healthcare professionals are the saboteurs and obstacles to breastfeeding with a lot of these moms. So, so I think that what we're doing now with Julia's way and, and Rachel can probably, she can talk about our, our zoom group that we do okay. for parents. And I think that um, we're, we're just trying to educate as many people as possible and help these moms and support them. Oh, that's fantastic. And that's it, it, really interesting to hear about the physician mom like you know and here she has a child now with down syndrome and mm -hmm. i mean we all know that a lot of the awareness is lacking in the medical community i'm in canada it's the same here you know we do have a fabulous pediatrician but a lot of the other people we deal with they just aren't really that familiar with with children with down syndrome so that's wonderful like that's amazing what you ladies are doing and so Rachel, why don't you tell us a little bit about you as well? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. So um, our Zoom groups, it's really um, a great opportunity to be there for moms that um, may be discouraged or having some um, troubles in their breastfeeding journey. Um, breastfeeding is something that I've always, I've been super passionate about since my first child was born. Um, it took a little time for us to figure it out. And I went to a breastfeeding support group that whole first year of her life. Um, and when I found out I was pregnant with Anna, that she would have Down syndrome and duodenal atresia, which is the gastrointestinal blockage and require surgery after birth. I, like Ella, did a ton of research on both those subjects to see like, how can we do this? You know, I, I wanted it so badly for the health reasons, the bonding, um, the fact that it's so like portable, it's easy mm -hmm. kind of, um, so many reasons. So 
um, when she was born, she had her surgery. I wasn't able to allow her to nurse right away um, because she needed to have an NG tube and would have to slowly work up to feedings before she was even allowed to breastfeed. Um, so we were able to leave the hospital at that point. She was on bottles and it took quite some time to be able to get her to the breast. She was a little over two months old, but you know, about a week prior, I was feeling really discouraged because it seemed like so much work. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, are we going to be able to do this? The pumping, the cleaning, the this, the then I'm trying to nurse. And it was a lot to manage. And um, I reached out um, to Julia's way and saw some um, support groups online and found out that several other mothers had had similar experiences and they persevered. And what they did was gave their baby an opportunity to do it, you know, to get there. Maybe they just need to be a little stronger, get a little older, or just get more used to it. Um, so after that, um, Anna was able to breastfeed and she's still nursing now at over two and a half, which is amazing. And it inspired me at around seven months old, when she was seven months old, to become a certified lactation counselor. Um, to help other moms. I felt so passionate about it. And I met up with Ella. Um, she's local to me and just saw her passion for this and was amazed by the book and reached out to her a little while later to see how can we, how can I help this wonderful mission to support other moms um, who might just need a little extra hope or something in their journey. So it's really such a beautiful thing to be a part of this. Oh, that's just Wonderful. I, I'm kind of envious of you ladies able to breastfeed. I wasn't, it didn't go that well for me, but you know, I'm on, as I mentioned earlier, like lots of down syndrome forums and I am constantly reading about expectant moms. Like, as I said, who are asking if they'll be able to breastfeed their babies with down syndrome. Like, why do you think they're always asking this? Do you think it's just because that's what is out there from the medical community, or I don't know what, what, Ella, what do you think? I think there are a lot of different reasons. Number one, I think this is something that's unknown, right? For most of us, this is the first time that we're ever going to have a child with Down syndrome or special needs. Um, for some of us, it's the first time we're ever having a child at all. Mm -hmm. And then we have the addition of a lot of people online saying, we, I wasn't able to do it. I wasn't given the chance to do it. Um, my daughter or my child was in the NICU and you know they're not taught how to protect their milk supply. And so they don't develop a robust milk supply. Then the baby is um, because of the low tone sometimes doesn't have a robust suck. And so it's just this cycle where you know they're not um, kind of educated or supported in doing it correctly, um, which does take some time and take some talent um, and support. And as Rachel knows, I mean, I calculated when after Julia Grace was born, it was like a full-time job between feeding her and pumping and washing out the pump, you know, and I was like, how much longer can I go on with this? Um, and a lot of, you know, traditional, um, lactation consultants will kind of say, you know, your baby's two months old. He's not breastfeeding. He's, he's probably not going to get there because, that is true with a lot of typical kids, but as Jill knows, and as Rachel knows, and as I know, a lot of babies with Down syndrome 
they don't even think about getting it until they're like two or three months old. And then, you know, if you have your milk supply, you've done all of that work to keep your milk supply up, um, you know, then then they're great. And as we have heard from multiple mothers, as Rachel attests to and, and Julia as well, they often breastfeed much past the one year mark um, once they get the hang of it. And so Rachel and Ella, like how old were your babies when they were able to breastfeed? Rachel? Julie? Anna was just over two months old when she transitioned to direct breastfeeding. Oh, wow. And and Ella? Julia Grace was um, about a couple days shy of three months old. Okay. So yeah, mm-hmm. it does take a little bit of time. Okay. That's very interesting because I didn't, I didn't know that. And I'm and sure- most people don't. I think if yeah. we could tell people one thing, it would be, it takes time. Establish your milk supply. You, you know, getting the baby to breast immediately is amazing and wonderful. And that's what we want everybody to do, but it's probably not going to happen that way with your child with Down syndrome. Your goal should be to protect, establish and protect your supply. And Jill can talk all about that because that's her, that's her um, religion basically. <laughs> okay. Yeah. See, I had no idea about that and nobody ever told me about that. So that's kind of, a, that's a I'm real, sorry to hear that. yeah. Like, you know, because I, I knew Ainsley would be my only child and I did try and she was able to do it a little bit, but you know, I didn't have great letdown and, you know, I tried for about six months, you know, but it was just really challenging. And, you know, but if I'd had something like your book or mm-hmm. some other help, I think with, people who were knowledgeable about children with down syndrome and breastfeeding. Cause I think that's key. You know, it may have been a little bit of a different story because I think Rachel, I think it was you who said it's so much easier, right? It's portable. So, you know, cause I remember being out going, I just wish I could breastfeed because it would be so much easier, but right. you know, yeah. So, I mean, we've kind of answered it, but like, do you, ladies feel like the medical community is misinformed about a child with Down syndrome being able to breastfeed? I think that there's, you know, I have a physician husband and a medical student daughter, and they have a lot (laughs) of information that they have to know. They really do. And Mm -hmm. I'd say that there's not a lot of training about feeding and nutrition. There, There isn't even for neurotypical babies. So in their defense, I don't think they get educated on this. And they often, they might go by personal information or, or one case that they saw and they don't see, t- I see tons of babies with Down syndrome. So I know what they can and can't do. So I think a lot of it is just... Uh, just ignorance. They just don't know. They, they haven't been taught. I, I think it's getting better. I mean, here in the Chicagoland area, we have a medical school, Loyola Medical School, where they have a pediatrician there on staff who is also a board certified lactation consultant. And she has her students shadow me and they also shadow her. And they've been showing up on our monthly Zoom calls. And it's been very interesting because we, um, two months ago, we had a very active call and one mom is really upset and discouraged by all, what she felt was medical over intervention for her baby with Down syndrome. And she was really venting about it and she was really upset and rightfully so. She felt like she really you know, got the short end of the stick with what was going on. And I had a medical student on there. And at the end of the meeting, she popped her camera on and she introduced herself and she said, you know, I'll be starting a residency this July. And I really, 
you know, ticking all the information that all you moms are sharing here. And I promise that I'm going to advocate for you when I'm a pediatrician. And I just thought it was, I, I'm getting the, the hair standing up in my arms now. And I think about it because it was yeah. so lovely that she was gutsy mm -hmm. enough with all these moms on there that were angry about the medical community. And she said, I'm going to, I'm going to do something about, it. I'm going to change that. So I feel like if we could educate and get out there more, I think that's going to be one of our goals with Julia's way too, just to do more education of professionals. We're actually going to do one in September for people who work with breastfeeding babies and teach them how to work with babies with Down syndrome. Because if we can teach people that, you know, these babies can do it, if you protect mom's milk supply, you use some bridge devices, like we might need to use a nipple shield or what's something mm -hmm. called an at-breast supplementer. But with, with, with the right help in protecting mom's supply, lots of these babies can get to the breast. I do want to say though, there are babies with Down syndrome that don't have any problem with getting mm -hmm. the breast or some babies with Down syndrome that don't need help believe it or not, uh, that that's much less common, I would mm -hmm. say, but just because of all the medical comorbidities and the low muscle tone and all the other things that we see in this population, lots of times with babies with Down syndrome, it's just the sleepiness and lack of endurance in the beginning yeah. from the muscle tone and the diagnosis. And, and they get so much better. And I always tell parents, if you can hang in there, your baby's totally going to get this. And you know what? I, I see so much success in the, the babies I work with. So to me, if we can get in there, if we can educate doctors and start educating parents prenatally, we're, we're going to make a big difference. Yes. Oh, like it almost brings tears to my eyes. Cause honestly, like, yeah, if I had someone like you or you ladies, like kind of in my corner or whatever, I think it would have made such a huge difference because like you said, it's just the lack of awareness and I get it. Doctors, they need to know so many things. Right. But, um, I'm glad to see that it's, you feel that it's starting to turn a little bit and, and how nice for that, um, the student or the resident that was in on the zoom call to, to say that, that, that she's going to advocate. So that that's wonderful. And yeah, cause like I said, I'm on all these different forums and I just read all the time that, you know, new or expected moms are basically told that you probably won't be able to breastfeed your child with down syndrome. And it's just so sad or frustrating, right? Because, you know, I don't, yeah. Cause I wasn't really ever told that I couldn't, but I wouldn't say I was giving, given any real exceptional help per se, you know? Yeah. So Ella, you created this book in one year, which is amazing. And so how long, when did you write it? Like when, when was it first published? So it came out in September, 2019. It okay. came out when we met, that was my in ah, okay. um, Na Nashville. Nashville. That's when I was yeah, debuting it there, um, 2019. And I think Joe gives me a lot of credit. It, it, it felt like a long time. I started, um, I think I started when Julia was about a year old. Mm -hmm. So that was 20, probably 2017. So it probably took me, you know, I thought it was going to take three months. I was very naive <laughs> <laughs> and it felt like I worked on it forever, you know, um, it's because Julia is just now going to be five next, next week. So she oh, was wow. really still little and this was very fresh uh, mm -hmm. for me. And what you're talking about is, is basically gets to the heart of the reason that I started uh, Julia's way. And I, and I um, came up with the book is because I wanted mothers like me and like you to just have like, not only can it be done, like there's a whole book about it. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, obviously it's can it can be done and here's how I can start to do it and 
like Jill mentioned, I have been committed to having it um, as a free download because I want mothers to be Googling in the middle of the night and find it at 2 a.m. when they're up and pumping and freaking out about their baby, never breastfeeding. I want them to be able to download it and read it, um, you know, or, or go to their chapters or see the mom's stories. Every single mm -hmm. chapter has a mom's story that's relevant. Um, and I think those are really the key for, for moms who are in that dark place of like, is this baby ever going to be able to do it? I think when um, Rachel reached out to me, she said, gosh, you know, do you know any kid with duodenal atresia who has been able to breastfeed, who has Down syndrome? And I said, I do. I have somebody who's nearby. And, and um, you know, just the, one of the goals that we have is to, to create a mom-to-mom -mom support group so that you could have somebody like Rachel did. She had... Um, somebody living, you know, in the same, in the same state that had a similar condition and um, she was able to get some support from her. And um, so I'd love to be able to do that a mom to mom support group um, there. We're starting it now with the, um, the monthly call, which is awesome, but I would love also like peer network um, trained moms to kind of have uh, you know, a little bit of training so they could just do a peer-to-peer -peer support in their own area, you know, yeah. and meet up and, and things like that. So um, we have big visions for ways that we want to support both moms and medical professionals to um, to help these babies. Oh, that's fantastic. And yes, I think it it's really nice if you can connect with someone who's kind of local. Like I'm sure, Rachel, for you, that was nice to find somebody who whose child had the same diagnosis and was successful in, in breastfeeding. Yes, absolutely. Um, her child also had a heart condition. Oh, so wow. she was, I think it took them over six months or something. And that connection and that beautiful email really was just such a piece for like, I want to, I want to pay that forward to the next mom who might be going mm -hmm. through that. And thankfully, um, these zoom groups that we have once a month, we have Jill with so many years of expertise in this subject, which not a lot of people know about, you know, mm -hmm. how to help support babies with Down syndrome for breastfeed and all the nuances of that. I'm learning more things each time I'm on the Zoom meeting um, from Jill as far as like some transitions. Um, that's a big one. How do we transition? Even things like babies who have developed like aversions to, from trying to breastfeed. And there's so many things. So having that kind of expertise is amazing. Um, to overall just get that message that babies with Down syndrome absolutely can breastfeed. And I think a big portion too is being mindful of the interventions. We were talking a little bit about the medical um, mm -hmm. field and team and um, many things are absolutely needed um, and thinking like, how can we make this, if the goal is to breastfeed, the most breastfeeding friendly way, this intervention um, in the long term. The last thing um, about the group, the last group that we had that was big, we had a mom there who did not find out the diagnosis of Down syndrome for several weeks oh. and her baby breastfed right off the bat. And I feel like that's a huge message because there was no, yeah, there was nothing, it no was bias. Just, like the baby's hungry, feed the baby, nurse yeah. the baby. It was, that was really, really powerful. So, you know, babies, you can, you can do it. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. And, and I love that the book is available for free. And of course, we'll have a link in our, our show notes for our listeners so that if anyone needs to access it, that they can. Because like, as I said, with 
my, when my daughter was born, you know, breastfeeding, it was like a real challenge. She was very low tone. Like, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, as we all know, it's, it can be challenging with their tone and she was such a sleepy baby, but she didn't have any health issues. Like she didn't have a heart defect or anything like that. Um, and I, as I said, I didn't have let good let down. And so that was a bit of a challenge from the beginning. I mean, we had a, we'd used a nursing shield with some success, but I had like a lactation consultant and I even went to a breastfeeding doctor and we had a number of specialists, but no one ever watched me trying to breastfeed her, which I thought was kind of odd, um, or ever looked inside her mouth. So, um, and, um, and it was not until we went to the dentist when she was two and a half that they noticed that she had a really severe lip tie. And it was actually the dentist that asked me about her breastfeeding and if I had any trouble and I explained to him, yes. And I mean, I don't know if to this day, if that was a major reason why, but if someone, if one of those specialists had actually looked at her mouth, like maybe we could have discovered that in the beginning that could have been rectified and maybe we would have been a bit more successful. So, you know, that was, that was when I heard that it was really kind of sad, actually, I think that, you know, we had all these specialists, but no one really looked at her to, to see, you know, which, but you know, it, it is what it is. And now like for, so Jill, like maybe you can answer this. Like, so for these moms who want to breastfeed their, their little rocking babes, like, where do they start? Like you were talking about protecting your milk supply. I mean, I've never even heard of that. So, and no one ever even mentioned that to me ever. So maybe you can start. Sure. So I'd say if, if the mom is a prenatal diagnosis, mm-hmm. it gives her a lot of time. And we actually, I have three blog posts on Julia's Way's website. And one is a prenatal guide mm-hmm. to breastfeeding. If you have, you're pregnant with a baby with Down syndrome, then the second blog is the first few hours after birth. And then the third blog is when you're taking your baby home. And I think what, what's easy about those, they're just kind of a, a nice synopsis, but it really helps you get prepared. But I think the most important thing is if we could get moms pumping within six hours mm-hmm. after the baby being born and just working on their milk supply and, and the lactation consultant in the hospital can always help moms with setting up the pump and doing that. Cause that pump sometimes is going to be their friend mm-hmm. for a long time until the baby gets to the breast. And I always say, if we can protect the milk supply until we figure out the baby, that's the most important thing. I think the other thing too, is that if, if moms have a prenatal diagnosis and can be prepared, finding lactation consultants in their community that are comfortable with working with babies with Down syndrome and possibly pairing up with a feeding therapist, like an occupational therapist or a speech pathologist Mm -hmm. that is also comfortable so they could collaborate because that would be your dream team Mm -hmm. for feeding. And I think the other thing too is knowing where you can get, maybe get a hospital grade pump, which is going to be a little bit of a stronger pump. Yeah. If your baby, if you're going to need to pump for a long time, mm-hmm. so you know you're, you're using something that's going to maintain your supply. I also use very frequently. I use a digital scale, which it it tells you the weight within two grams. It's very accurate. So you literally put the baby on the on the scale. Um, you set it, the baby breastfeeds, and then you put it back on, and you literally see what they transfer at the breast. Oh, so okay. we, we, I use this personally a lot with babies with Down syndrome, because I want the science, I want the numbers. So I can say, Oh, look it, I can, I can do it for confidence reasons and say, wow, your baby just transferred two ounces in five minutes. Or I can say, Oh, your baby's only transferring a half an ounce. So we're going to work on your supply a little bit and work on your baby's latch. And then that also shows us progress. Cause if we have a baby who's transferring 
you know, half an ounce for a week or two. And then we work on mom's supply and work on the baby's breastfeeding skill. And then we see that number go up. We know that we're making progress. So there's, and, and we also, with this population, often use nipple shields mm -hmm. just because what it does is it allows babies to sustain a sucking pattern because sometimes low tone babies, they come on and off the breast a lot. They just can't stay on. Okay. And the shield is, it helps them stay on the breast. And, and lots of moms freak out about nipple shields and say, oh, that's not real breastfeeding. Or they're told, like somebody who was just on our Zoom group uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the lactation consultant told this mom of a baby with Down syndrome, oh, no, no, no nipple shields for your baby. And that's that might be the case, or it might be easier for a neurotypical baby, but babies with Down syndrome could really benefit from mm -hmm. that shield. So we can't make a, a statement like, oh, no shields. And, and I think that, again, we have to educate everybody because here was a lactation consultant who gave wow. misinformation to a mom. So sometimes we need to, we, we protect the supply, we use bridge devices, we support moms, and very often we can transition those babies to the breast. That's, it works. Wow, that's amazing. And that was one of my questions was, how do you know? And you, you mentioned about this, like how much your baby's getting and the scale, like, can anybody get like, is it just a digital scale or is it a special type of scale? Yeah, so, uh, here in the States, we, we use, uh, there's two scales that people use a lot. Mm -hmm. One's called the Tanita and one's called the baby way scale. Okay. And they're both accurate within two grams. And obviously we want a really good scale to make sure that we're measuring this accurately. Okay. So we, we use them. They're very expensive scales, but you mm. can rent them okay. from lactation consultants. Some hospitals rent them. They're, they're not always easy to find, but because I use them so much with this population, I know where to, <laughs> where to send people. And I do think it's very helpful because I think parents feel mm -hmm. really comforted when they see that, wow, my baby's transferring three ounces at the breast. We're, we're doing okay. We, we can get rid of the scale now because we're doing it. So I, I think it's, it can be very helpful for, for moms to have. Oh yeah. I and re, like you said, re, reassuring too. So, cause yeah, mm -hmm. I was always wondering that too. Like when I was, you know, my little bit of breastfeeding with Ainsley, you know, for like six months, but, um, yeah, it's going, I didn't really know how much she was ever getting. So that's, I, I did wonder that. So that's, that's awesome to know. So we'll definitely, um, put a note of that in the show notes as well. I mean, like you said, it's, it's expensive, but maybe like through the hospital or whatever. And, and yeah, and I had a decent pump too. So I was able to maintain some milk supply for, I think it was almost a year. I was quite glad to get rid of that pump, to be honest, but, but I was sad though, too, at the same time. Right. But I was like, Oh, I'm so tired of this. pump." So yeah. I think also too, the other thing that people don't realize is stress has a lot to do with your milk supply. Mm -hmm. So when you have a mom who might get an unexpected diagnosis at birth, mm -hmm. uh, I just had a mom yeah. that this happened to it was her third baby and they were closing her up with the C-section and the nurse said to the mom, Oh, uh, I know a lot of doctors are in here. I just want to let you know that they think your baby has down syndrome. And she said that it just absolutely was devastating mm -hmm. for, she had no idea. And she had some issues with her supply in the beginning. And I think it, that stressful piece of not knowing, worrying about the diagnosis, worrying about the medical piece that that parents don't realize how much stress can affect your, your letdown of milk. So that's a really important thing to tell them too, that, you know, you might not have some trouble establishing your supply in the beginning if you're under some stress, but it will get better. Yes. Yes. I have heard of that too, uh, that uh, with the stress level. So, I mean, it, this might be an obvious question, but we've all heard of the benefits of breastfeeding, but what are some of the best benefits of breastfeeding your child with Down syndrome? Like, is it any, really any different than 
breastfeeding like a neurotypical child or would there be more benefits? Uh, I could, I think I could speak to that very well. And uh, Rachel hears me talk about this every week. (laughs) Um, So yes, there are incredible benefits. So I always say to people, yes, there are the, all the immunological and bonding benefits of of breast milk. And, And again, what I love what Ella had said about, and I love that her doctor said, just because you're pumping doesn't mean you're not breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. That is breastfeeding. If you're if you're doing breast milk and bottles and some breastfeeding and pumping, you're still a breastfeeding parent. That's that's something really important for everyone to remember. Just because you're not exclusively breastfeeding doesn't mean you're not breastfeeding. But besides all those amazing health benefits that we we hear again and again about breastfeeding, the really amazing thing about breastfeeding is the breast itself shapes the maxilla or your upper palate. And the reason this is especially important for kids with Down syndrome is what do we know about babies with Down syndrome? They often have a small oral cavity. They often have a high palate, right? They often have issues with their teeth fitting in their mouths because the oral cavity is so tiny. If we can get these babies breastfeeding, we're going to expand that upper maxilla and we're going to help with the spacing of teeth and creating a larger airway and a more patent airway. So all of those things are going to be very beneficial. We know that 50 to hundred percent of babies with down syndrome may grow up to be adults with obstructive sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I'm on an international listserv for medical professionals that work with people with down syndrome. And I can tell you that all the time what's on there is adults with down syndrome, not being compliant with CPAP. Mm-hmm. So if we can prevent this with breastfeeding, just by shaping the face, and working with what we call airway-centric dentists. We, we had an airway-centric dentist on our Zoom call uh, a month or so ago, Kevin Boyd in Chicago, who's amazing. And he actually starts doing, um, he starts working in babies' mouths and using uh, ret- like little retainers as soon as two years of age wow. and starts working on shaping the oral cavity to help with the airway. So there are airway centric dentists out there that are specialists in looking at oral anatomy and figuring out ways to help babies um, to develop that palate and create a bigger space in that oral cavity. Brian Hockle is another one of those airway centric dentists. He's in California. He has a daughter with Down syndrome and a sister with Down syndrome. And the work that he does with people with Down syndrome is absolutely amazing. And sorry, what was his name again? His name is Brian Hockel, H-O-C-K-E-L, and he's in Walnut Creek, California, and Kevin Boyd, Mm B-O-Y-D, he is in Chicago. Okay. No, that's... And they're both amazing and see kids with Down syndrome and they're very, they really understand, you know, what we can Mm -hmm. do. They're both big advocates of breastfeeding. It's amazing how much they encourage it. So I think if people realized that, that breastfeeding isn't just about the breast milk itself, it's also the act of breastfeeding mm-hmm. that shapes the face. And this is really important for individuals with Down syndrome. That's amazing. I, I think I do recall hearing something a little bit about that, like a long time ago, but also a lot of our kids have, you know, the tongue thrust would, you would I, Ainsley had that when she was a baby. I, I don't see it in her now, but uh, would that would breastfeeding help with that? Like I, I think a lot of that is because the tongue's a muscle, you know, learning to keep it inside your mouth. Would breastfeeding help with that? 
A hundred percent. Again, you know, breastfeeding is harder than bottle feeding. And I really, one of the most important things with breastfeeding is all the jaw work Mm -hmm. because your babies really use what's called deep jaw excursions when they're breastfeeding. (laughs) So getting that strength in the jaw is going to help speech later on too. Mm -hmm. So that that breastfeeding act is going to help a lot, but also what, you know, the tongue has a big, big, big job in breastfeeding and drawing the breast breast into the mouth. So it will help a lot. We also do different exercises to work on the tongue and side to side movement of the tongue and creating a tongue groove. There's lots of exercises that we work on simultaneously with the mom's breastfeeding that will also help with those, with those oh, things and function of the tongue. That's amazing. And I, I like how you said that even though you may not be actually exclusively breastfeeding, cause I had a mostly, you know, I expressed my milk. It makes me feel better to what you were saying that you're still, you still breastfed your child. It wasn't like I was actively had her on my breasts, but yeah. So that that's, I think helpful for parents to know as well. Like you might not always be able to exclusively breastfeed, but you can, you can pump. Cause that was important to me, like for all those reasons that you were saying about, you know, the nutrition and, and things like that. So, um, now often babies, you know, have trouble latching and it's, I think, and Jill, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's mostly due to the low tone and, and how do you really know if, your child has a good latch or not, or does it go back to like using the scale and seeing that they're actually getting milk or is there a way maybe without the scale to know? Yeah, I think really having a lactation consultant who sees babies breastfeeding all day, every day to look at that latch and see what the baby looks like at the breast is what's going to be helpful in getting that lactation consultant in that room as soon as possible after the baby's born, if the baby's medically stable is the most important thing. It really is. And, and if the baby's in special care nursery, mm-hmm. getting in the special care nursery and having the lactation consultant work with you there, uh, that the, all those things are important because I think sometimes parents don't know. I think most moms wouldn't know if their latch was good or not. They yeah. think, oh, the baby's there and that's good. Yeah. Uh, I had one mom I worked with that her baby was, uh, you know, one week old and sleeping through the night and she thought it was great. And it wasn't, she, he needed to be waking. And of course, by the time he got to his two checkup, he had lost weight. Yeah. So I think that, you know, we, we have to have professionals who really understand a good latch and what milk transfer looks like in the beginning. So mo- these moms can get support. So they know. Okay. So I guess, I mean, this kind of leads into my next question, which I think you've already answered is like any tips like you can offer to for moms, especially in those early days, if your baby's having trouble latching, but it sounds like mostly get a lactation consultant sounds like that's one of the key things to do is to, when you're, if you're going to try to nurse. Yes. And I think Rachel can also, Rachel, do you want to talk a little bit about skin to skin? Rachel's a big um, proponent of skin to skin in the beginning. This is a really, parents think they can't do anything with their babies, especially if the baby can't feed well in the beginning. So if Rachel, you want to talk about that a little bit about the skin to skin piece. Oh, yes. Thank you. I think that big thing being the first hour after birth with um, having a baby on your chest and they can come over and try to latch on and nurse because the, there's so much um, going on with the connection with mom and baby with the smells and this and that that help produce mm-hmm. milk. So, um, you know, that is big. We weren't able to do that because she had to go to the um, NICU but I was able to be there with her and hold her as often as that, you know, I could. And that in and of itself does things for both mom and baby. It helps calm baby, keep them, you know, their 
vital signs stable in mom, it keeps you relaxed and has the milk flowing. And if you could pump at the bedside, if your baby has to go to a special care nursery, you can get so much more milk that way. And then when you're looking to transition back to the breast, if for some reason you're unable to, in my experience, I'll just talk about mine, is that I just try to always have, like, have her kind of close by as frequently as possible. So if she showed any sign of hunger, oh, let's try to nurse. Like, oh, she's wiggling her finger now. Like, I think it's time to try to breastfeed. Because getting, uh, getting to the direct breastfeeding can be a challenge if you stepped away from it. So all of that closeness and calming and having it right there is, was one of the most helpful things for, in our experience. And I'm sure Ella has some more tips that were helpful for her. Absolutely. And there are lots of tips in the book as well. Um, and there, there are pictures in the book of what, um, you know, basically what a good latch looks like. If you're again, just kind of looking at your baby and you have your smartphone in the other hand and you want to download the book and see like, oh, okay, well, this is a pretty good latch. I think Jill's um, absolutely right that, you know, expertise is, is um, you can't really replace it if you have the right expert, but um, it does give you a guideline of kind of what, you know, the baby's lips should be flanged and, um, and kind of what, what um, movements the jaw should be making when they are sucking properly and latched appropriately and kind of the noises that should be happening. Um, all of those kinds of things can be signs um, that the baby's latched properly. And, um, you know, we also have a ton of tips in the book about how to uh, increase your supply or how to maximize your supply. Mm -hmm. as, as Rachel was saying, try to pump next to your baby. If you can't pump near your baby, have a piece of clothes that smells like your baby, have a picture that sounds like your baby. Um, there've been all of these really low, um, low tech interventions that have been proven to increase uh, breast milk, listening to music, smelling, you know, something that smells like your baby even a little bit of a warm compress before uh, can help you with your letdown. Um, so these are all, you know, I used to warm up my flanges a little bit just by running them through hot water and then kind of helps the letdown. Yeah. Mo certain moms will need to express, they'll be able to get more, a hand express, excuse me, be able to get more um, milk, especially in those early days by hand expressing. And so we have an entire chapter on how do you hand express? Um, some moms, they just are not going to um, respond to that pump as well as they would to hand and or hands on pumping, which is a great combination of them both, where you're pumping, but you're also kind of giving a little bit of manual stimulation so that your full breast is being, um, you know, brought into <laughs> brought into work and, and you're um, uh, activating those milk ducts. Um, so there, there are tons of tips like that in the book. Um, you know, just little things. How, if my baby is having an aversion, you know, what do I do? If my baby has a GI issue, what do mm -hmm. I need to know? If my baby's going to have a heart surgery, what should I look out for? Um, and I think, you know, with breastfeeding, you're, if you have a child with Down syndrome, your number one job is going to be advocacy forever, mm -hmm. probably. Mm -hmm. And that needs to start for me, you know, it started prenatally for sure, but also, they did want to take Julia immediately to the, the NICU, which I understood, you know, people are concerned. She had some issues prenatally. I asked the neonatologist, I said, can I just do a little bit of skin to skin? And he granted me five minutes of skin to skin mm -hmm. probably. And it wasn't 
a lot, but let me tell you, it changed, it changed everything. You know, I get goosebumps because just having that little bit of time mm-hmm. personally, and I, they put her on my chest and she stopped crying. And my husband was like, she stopped crying. And I was <laughs> like, this is where we should be. You know, it was just a moment. And so even if you could say, just, can I just have a minute? You know, if your baby is stable enough. Yeah. And they're, they're usually, they know how important it is for you and for the baby and for your milk supply. So most neonatologists will, will allow that for whatever amount of time they can. And, and even just a few minutes and then knowing that you're going to follow up with as much skin to skin as you possibly can um, in the first few weeks and months of the baby's life is, is a good start. That's amazing. Now, I know you said there's lots of tips in, in the book, but one of the things I was wondering about is due to our kids' low tone, like some are lower tone than others. And Ainsley is quite low tone. Is there like a way to hold them that's more preferable to help them succeed? Like, do you talk about that in the book? I'm sh- I mean, I'm sure there's lots of tips, but that was something that I was thinking about, like, you know, cause I there, could never really find a good way to hold her. <laughs> there's a whole chapter about, you know, kind of um, counteracting the low tone and Jill can talk all about um, the ways to do that. And um, there are different positions that are more helpful and also bridge um, bridge things, but I'll let Jill talk more full, fully about that. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, the, the biggest issue is just kind of the floppiness and the kind of flat laying down posture. So what we might do is the way we swaddle them to kind of create more physiological flexion. Mm-hmm. So they're in a more flexed position. And we might experiment with breastfeeding positions that might be more alerting for them, like placing them more in a football hold where they're more, they're seated upright more doing something like that, or, or undressing them and putting them on a flat surface to really wake them okay. first. I'd say that's one of the most complicated things for parents in the beginning that their babies are so sleepy mm-hmm. and they just don't have mm-hmm. the endurance. And that's really frustrating. So we, we do different things, different ways to swaddle, to try to alert them. And again, get them at that flex position because sucking is a flexion skill. So if you're in a, in a more flexed position, it's going to help you suck more efficiently as well versus just being flat on your back. So, um, so, so those are some of the things that we might do to help. Oh, with that. wow. Like, so many things yeah. I didn't think about. Yes. So, oh my gosh. So, uh, you know, I, like when Ainsley was born, I mean, she was a big baby, but you know, then the doctor tells me she has failure to thrive, which is such a scary mm. term. You know, I'm thinking, is she going to die? You know, mm-hmm. you know, but obviously she just lost some weight, but, and actually you answered this before is like, how do you know if your baby's getting enough is to, is because of the, the scale and, and I mean, I guess the other problem is like, and yeah, and Ainsley was a sleepy baby, you know, and like when I, I think that was the, <clears throat> I think it was the breastfeeding doctor, actually, she said, oh, she's not a three hour baby, just let her sleep for four hours. So, you know, I don't know if that is true to this day, if she was really a four hour baby, or that's just what the doctor said. But um, yeah, like that li- one lady whose, do- whose child was sleeping through at a week old, like that's a little scary. Right. (laughs) And then, and then when Aza came home, like she had an NG tube. So can, can our kiddos still try or still be able to breastfeed with an NG tube or is it preferable to wait until that's out? Cause sometimes it's a little longer. And so only ended up having it for a couple of days before she pulled it out. Right. No, they can absolutely breastfeed with an NG tube in. And, and the nice thing about having an NG tube in the beginning is at least we don't, there's no pressure, right? Yeah. We can let the baby practice directly at the breast and we know that they're going to get fed. The thing that we 
try to avoid is we don't want them to have an NG tube for too long a period of time because that can that can often cause an aversion in babies uh, with eating because every time you move, cough, swallow, you feel that tube. It's very, very, it can be very uncomfortable, but obviously it's very helpful because sometimes in the beginning, they just don't have the ability and the endurance to be able to take in all their feeds orally. But yes, you absolutely can still breastfeed with, with the NG tube in place. And I also think too, it takes the pressure off mm-hmm. of moms because I know their babies are going to be able to get fed, even if they're not taking full feeds at the Yes, breast. that's true. And I mean, and Rachel, maybe you could speak a little bit to this. I mean, your child had um, some other issues and said she was able to breastfeed, but what about a lot of our kiddos have heart defects. So, you know, which makes them, I think, even more sleepy. So will those babies, can they still learn to breastfeed prior to their heart surgery or do they pick it up after or what tends to happen? It depends. There's a combination of both. And we always, of course, say, you know, advocate, but you know, you want to listen to your cardiologists, obviously, but a lot of babies with Down syndrome, you know, they have to get to a certain weight and they Mm -hmm. are able to breastfeed. And then at some point, the, um, the sucking and the, you know, the work, as Jill said, it is more difficult to breastfeed becomes a little bit too much as their heart begins to fail and they get closer to surgery. And so sometimes then they will be switched to, um, you know, pumped milk. And then after they can kind of come back on and, and the, the book talks a lot about that too. It has a whole cardiac chapter and, you know, what to happen, what happens, uh, how to get your baby back to breast, um, after, after heart surgery, you know, the patients that it sometimes takes time, you know, you feel like, oh, my, my baby's, the heart is repaired. Now he can be able to uh, breastfeed right away. And, you know, that's not always how it, it happens. You know, you sometimes Mm -hmm. need to be a little bit more patient. That's why this protecting your supply, making sure that you're pumping, you know, at least within the first six hours, ideally, and then, um, you know, eight times a day (laughs) that, you can, you'll be ready when your baby is ready, then your, then your supply is ready. And so, um, that's a key, that's a key part. Okay. That's, that's good to know. And, and, and Rachel, and and just from your own experience, like your daughter was able to breastfeed even with, I, I can never say it, the dual, sorry, I can't, I never can say it properly. I don't even usually say it right. Do I know the truth? <laughs> This, I feel like duodenal, yeah. duodenal, I think it's a couple of different ways of saying that. And, and sorry, how old was she about? Was it, she was around two months, you said, before she was able to breastfeed? Yeah, just over two months. And then she would have had her surgery right at birth, right? Three days. Yeah. Old. Okay. That's what I thought. So yeah, like, I think that's a success story, like right there, like, you know, with that health issue. So, I mean, I mean, there's so many intricacies and I'm sure like a lot of people's questions are answered in the book, I'm sure. But are there other, some other challenges are kids with Down syndrome face that may make breastfeeding more difficult, I guess, than a typical child that we haven't already talked about? I feel like we've covered it all, but it's usually the medical Mm -hmm. comorbidities, you know, where it might be some type of GI or cardiac issue that, that, that mom I told you about, that was a physician, her baby actually had heart surgery at six months and she did not transition to exclusive breast, exclusive breastfeeding till after that surgery. So it took her that Mm -hmm. long, but other babies have heart defects and and can still breastfeed. And and it it really depends on the baby Mm -hmm. and and the actual defect, but the low muscle tone 
the sleepiness, the endurance, um, all, all of those things in combination with any medical comorbidities is actually what makes it difficult okay. in the beginning. And obviously if there's any type of respiratory issue or GI issue, a lot of reflux or whatever it may, can, may be, that can affect it. But respiratory, respiratory is a big mm -hmm. one because uh, babies are always gonna pick breathing over yeah. eating. So if they're struggling with any kind of respiratory issue, we have to really get that under what fixed and taken care of first before they're going to be able to feed effectively. And obviously I know we've already talked about this, but maybe it can be reassuring to mamas who are listening. So if a, if a mom has the proper support and information, like, you know, a lactation consultant, your book, you know, how likely do you think it is that her child will be able to successfully breastfeed? I mean, I get it. Not every child with Down syndrome will be able to breastfeed, but do you think majority with the right info and help will be able to? I personally think so. I feel like most of the parents that I work with, I'd say most of the babies that I've worked with have been successful in getting there because I've worked with them from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Parents are getting the right support. They're protecting their milk supply and they're getting guidance. So I think if you can get all those things in place, the, the chances are very likely. Obviously it's different with everybody. I think the medical piece is, is a huge part of it because if the baby's really struggling medically, that that's going to be a big factor in, in possibly deterring them. But I think with the right support and perseverance, I think really most babies with, with Down syndrome should be able to breastfeed. And that is amazing news that I think a lot, most, if not all moms who are, who are, who've gotten a prenatal diagnosis or a birth diagnosis would love to hear because I would certainly have loved to have heard that. And I know that I wish I'd had the information, you know, of your book, Ella, and, you know, but not just for myself, but also just for the medical community at large, you know, who were involved with Ainsley, we had a tons of specialists. And like I said, no one ever looked at her mouth. No one ever watched me breastfeed her, which I don't understand. Like, did they just not think it was worth it or that she wouldn't be capable otherwise? I mean, I, I don't know. So, you know, I, I, but I think I would have persevered longer. Like you, Jill just said that majority of babies likely will breastfeed and the Ainsley didn't have any other health issues. She was just a really sleepy baby. And, you know, if I'd had maybe some other advice or other experts like you ladies, that maybe I would have been successful. And cause I, as I said to Rachel, I just, I hated pumping. It's just, it would have been way more portable, right? Yeah. <laughs> so is there anything else any of you ladies would like to add or think that maybe we may have missed? Um, I do. Sure. Go ahead, Rachel. Okay. Um, first of all, I just want to thank you for having us on today, Mary. Um, mm -hmm. Every breastfeeding um, dyad, mother and baby, has its own set of strengths and challenges, regardless of whether the baby is rocking an extra chromosome or not. So I think it's key to look at the individual child. And as you had said, you didn't feel like anyone really looked at Ainsley or watched her breastfeed or look at her mouth. And these things are really important. Mm -hmm. So overall, there's room for improvement and really looking at and how they can be supported. Um, and sometimes it's just to remove any unnecessary barriers, you know, and give the baby an opportunity to do what they can. Um, and I've seen time and again, in the last two and a half years that Anna can do anything. It may be in her own way, in her own time, but she's capable, she can get there. You know, and my role is like cheerleader and supporter and an advocate. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and even in our case, 
we touched on a little bit about how she had the surgery there at three days old and it took her a little over two and a half months to get to breastfeeding. And I do feel like that was a success because that was our goal um, was to get to direct breastfeeding because of all the wonderful benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also know that we were able to do that because we had so many supportive people um, in our lives. And I think that that's another key thing as far as um, like a pediatrician, family members, um, and there's just generally kind of a lack of maybe knowledge or experience in that area. And I think that if the more people knew just how beneficial it was, that maybe more people would be able to be supportive in that area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I was pregnant and researching all about these two conditions that she would have, it actually, I was more apprehensive about the belly surgery because it would require her to not be able to have the opportunity to breastfeed right from the beginning. So, you know, I think it's really important if we can preserve that right from birth or soon after, and remember that every step you take away from directly nursing, it's harder to get back to, you know, Mm -hmm. but oftentimes we want to see numbers. So we want to, you know, see the number in the bottle, but maybe you could do something like the number on the scale. And oftentimes I see that in, in the groups, in the, in the moms, uh, breastfeeding babies with Down syndrome support groups where, you know, should we keep trying to nurse a little bit longer? We, you know, gaining weight slowly. And, and um, that's where having the support of people really comes in. And the support group that we have set up now with Julia's Way is so helpful for that. You know, a mom can, can come and just share where they're at the struggle that they're having and find somebody who's been there, you know, and maybe gotten over that hurdle. Mm-hmm. I, you know? yes. Like I said, I didn't have really much support. Like I had lots of experts, but I said, no one ever watched me breastfeed Ainsley or like I said, ever, ever even checked her mouth, you know, I think. And so I think if that had happened, our experience might've been a bit different. Yes. Yes. And hopefully that is something that, um, you know, we can improve on more people, you know, more professionals, more people sharing what they've, that they've gone through. Um, I think we'll just kind of open that door to allow more people to, to be helpful in that manner. You know, this, this support group also is a place where people can connect with each other and kind of make friendships. You can be from all over the world and, you know, have babies the same age and, and it's a good opportunity to, to carry on those relationships, you know? So it's helpful in that as well. I did also want to say that another thing I come across a lot in the breastfeeding support groups is, is um, and a couple of posts in the last couple of weeks is mothers feeling like the length, the length they breastfed their babies is sometimes judged by other mm-hmm. medical professionals or people in their lives. And sometimes that's for not breastfeeding long enough, not being able to breastfeed, or sometimes it's, you're still breastfeeding. And I've heard a lot of moms um, really feeling some difficulties around that. And, you know, the, the language from the World Health Organization and the American Academy of Pediatrics and other things is exclusive breastfeeding for six months and continue up to two years and beyond, you know? So I think that the message is however long anybody breastfeeds as far as a short period, you know, at the two years, whatever is, is individual to that mom and child, you know, the benefits don't expire and kind of figure out 
you know, how it works best for each person. So I think that that's kind of important because I feel like that pops up a lot. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think those are all great words of advice and, you know, cause it can be a really tough journey. I know lots of moms of typical kids who were not able to breastfeed. So, you know, I think we just have to support one another regardless. And, and if they, if that's their choice is to try to breastfeed, if your child has down syndrome or some other medical condition is what kind of support can you get to get you to that end goal? Because that's really what it is. If you're wanting to breastfeed your child, that's the goal. What can we do to make that happen? I think it's just important. I mean, and this was a huge, uh, you know, it was a, it was a point of um, importance to me when I was starting Julia's Way and starting this book. Um, moms have a lot of pressure. You know, you have a new baby, you maybe have a new diagnosis, you maybe have other kids at home. You know, maybe you can't take 40 hours a week and pump. And I had a, a moment in the middle of the night thinking, I can't give this kid any um, formula. Like I just was in despair. Like I, you know, one drop of formula to me was a failure. <sighs> and I, I turned it around and I said, one drop of breast milk is a success. And, you know, we all know the benefits. We're huge breastfeeding advocates. I'd love everyone to be able to breastfeed their babies from the minute they, you know, come out of the womb successfully. And, but I understand real life happens. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're here to support you. If you want to breastfeed your baby with Down syndrome, contact us. We'll do our best to help you come to our Zoom group. If you can only manage to pump, you know, a couple of times a day, if you can only, you know, you're trying, we're here to support you. We're not here to shame you and say, you know, you're not breastfeeding your kid with Down syndrome. You know, maybe you know that it's just not for you. And, mm -hmm. and you know, that, that's okay. You know, we, we're not here to say like, you have to do this. We're here to say, if you want to do this, we're here to support you. We want medical professionals to support you if you want to do it as well versus saying you can't do it. So mm -hmm. I just want all the moms out there to know that this is a supportive place. This is a supportive group. Um, it's We want you to be able to meet your goals if you want to breastfeed your baby with Down syndrome because we think that they mostly all can do it. And if you want to be able, if you want to do it for them, you should have all the support you can, can have. So. That's yeah, that's fantastic. And, you know, and you were mentioning like the zoom meetings, uh, the monthly zoom meetings. So first, where can people get a free digital copy of the book breastfeeding and down syndrome? So they can go to juliasway.org okay. and click on the book and it will take you to um, letterpress. So Letterpress is a fantastic organization that has um, uh, books about expecting a Down syndrome pregnancy uh, and those, you know, lots of books for prenatal, how to talk about your uh, pregnancy with um, you know, your family and, you know, kind of get your, your family to understand what's going on. And lots of great books. They're all available for free as a download. And um, they graciously allow uh, Julia's way to... Um, to have their book there hosted there as well. So you do have to give your email address. We don't sell it to anybody. We don't email you if you don't want to, but we just need to collect data who is taking our book so that mm -hmm. we can apply for grants in the future so that we can do mo uh, more. Um, and the other thing is that 
the we have brochures for medical professionals and moms and uh, the brochure is downloadable for free as well in several different languages oh that's um, fantastic yeah yeah the oh. book is harder to do in several different yeah. languages we would love to have it in in every i mean that's a big is important to me as well having it accessible to other people uh, who speak other languages but mm-hmm. um it's a huge project to have it translated uh, but the brochures are available in multiple languages well that gets you know people started you know exactly. so which is i think the most important thing is to start and mm-hmm. and how can people connect with the zoom meetings like do you have to be part of a group or how does that work so we advertise on facebook um, and also if they want to sign up for our newsletter, uh, we have, we'll advertise in, in our newsletter as well. And then, you know, it's free. The group is free. They just have to sign up. Um, and then they'll get a zoom link. Oh, that's fantastic. And so like, do the three of you ladies, are you on every month or like, is there a topic every month or how does it work? You want to tell, you can tell her, Rachel. Oh, sure. Um, so we do it the second Thursday of the month at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it's Jill and myself, and um, we, Jill, um, those a lot of amazing professionals um, that we have come on as guest speakers, um, you know, depending on availability, and then some groups are, um, the whole hour is uh, just for uh, moms, um, expectant moms or moms with babies with Down syndrome to connect and we share the um, information for the groups on other Facebook pages like the DSVN and things like that to give more um, people. Oh, that's fantastic. And um, Ella, you were saying there's a Facebook group. Is it Julia's Way on Facebook or? Yeah, so it's a Facebook page, it's Julia's Way. Um, Might be Julia's Way 16, Um, but if you type Julia's Way, you should be able to find it. Yeah, okay. exactly. And um, our email address is love, L-O-V-E, at juliasway.org. Okay. You can always just email us as well. Wonderful. And we'll definitely put all of that in the show notes so that it's easily accessed. So that's amazing. Well, kudos to you ladies like for doing this and providing this really much needed resource like Ella you're saying there's just nothing there like I don't think I I can't remember if I even ever googled it um but I probably didn't find anything if I did and I probably had just read or heard oh you know it's not likely that it will happen I mean I did try but you know I'm so glad that you ladies have come together and and provided such an amazing resource for new moms especially when it can be such a really hard time especially if you've had a birth diagnosis you know, it's so overwhelming. And then, you know, if even the thought of breastfeeding could be really uh, daunting. So it's, it's lovely that, you know, you you guys are so positive and, you know, Jill's right in there saying, yes, I feel that most babies will be able to breastfeed. So that's wonderful to hear. And, you know, like I said, I wished I had, you know, known you ladies back then. I mean, you guys weren't, (laughs) the book wasn't written yet when she's eight now. So I'm a little bit ahead of you guys, but uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome that what you guys are doing and, and you know, the, the monthly zoom meetings, I think really helps as well. Thank you so much ladies for coming on today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. So these women do an amazing, uh, an amazing, uh, uh, attempt and succeeding 
so well at their community outreach in in getting their information and their techniques out there. Oh, I wholeheartedly agree. They do Zoom meetings with mamas. You know, I so wish I had something like that when Ainsley was a baby because I think we would have been a lot more successful. You know, we weren't really very successful at all. And, you know, it kind of like when I was chatting with them, it, it kind of made me very wistful and even a little bit sad because, you know, with just a little bit of extra help, I think we might have been able to to be able to breastfeed, you know, and because Ainsley didn't have any other health issues and there's kids who have, you know, multiple health issues and they're still able to do it. So I think this is so wonderful because most mamas are told you probably won't be able to breastfeed your child with Down syndrome and it can be really disappointing and a little bit heartbreaking. So well, I it think it really gets to, it really gets to, you know, like your role as a mother, right? Right from the, right from the start, like that is, that's your, pr forgive me for saying this. It's your primary purpose. Yeah. Cause you know, is you to feed feel the baby is to feed the baby. Right. And, and that feeds into you know, your self-worth. Yeah. And you know, and I, I don't think any moms for whatever reason, they shouldn't feel bad if they're unable to breastfeed. But I, but when you have someone who has that knowledge and expertise who can assist you, because sometimes the challenges are different with our kids with Down syndrome than with a typical child, then right, with you, you can like be successful. Like you and Ainsley with the with the uh, lip tie. Yes, like you know, if someone had actually looked at her mouth or maybe watched me try to feed her, you know, maybe things would have been different and. You know, so it kind of makes me a little sad that it didn't happen that way. But, you know, at the same time, I feel like privileged that I can use this podcast as an avenue to get that information out to other moms, you know, because we have listeners literally all over the world. And, you know, I hear about this all the time and all the different forums I'm on about mamas who are expecting and they have a prenatal diagnosis that they were told they can't, they likely won't be able to breastfeed their child. But you know what? Yes. You likely can't. Well, there was certainly a lot of information in there because like, I mean, breastfeeding to a guy is a certain act. There's nothing in a guy that, <laughs> you know, that, that, that I, I now know more than I ever probably thought you should, would know well, or need should, to know. Well, that I will ever need to know because, you know, <laughs> different things in life, but uh, right. it's like, but I, I was fascinated by the process and by the outreach of these people to try mm -hmm. and get um, try and get the the idea across that it may be something simple, it may be something more complex, but don't be afraid to ask the questions and come to us and and like there is Zoom outreach alone, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, how many people does that help every week? And and I think you understand where I'm going with that. Yeah, it's I think it's pretty amazing, and the fact that they, you know, Ella got that book out within a year is a, is incredible. You know, and like she said, there's mamas Googling at two in the morning, how can I breastfeed my baby with Down syndrome that they'll find her, which yeah. I think is just wonderful because it can feel really defeating. And I, I felt a bit defeated at times. Well, it's, it's quite isolating and lonely when you're in that position and you don't know where to turn and you don't mm -hmm. know where to look. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, we had so many specialists like that were looking at Ainsley, but and no one could really help us. All right. So 
that wraps us up for this week in this episode, our number 59, by the way, which yeah. is, uh, you know, we're one away from 60. So yeah. we, 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 we've almost done as many episodes as I have years. <laughs> so uh, why don't you take us on out of this one? Alrighty. Thanks for listening to the T21 Mum podcast. And as always, I would love to hear from you. Tell me your stories, what's going on in your life, what's important to you. You can email me at info at t21mum.com or find me on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at trysome21mumma. And also it would mean a lot to me if you could subscribe and leave us a little review so we can become more searchable for others in the Down syndrome community. Keep on loving on your rocking kiddos and we will see you next time. Take care, Mary. Bye, Ron. Bye.